capitalism teaches us to center transaction, to be focused on the profit and the sale and to always like convert your numbers and your leads and all of this garbage. And I want to center relationship. And when I think about centering relationship, that means, again, I have to bring my full self into it. And then when I think about where is my voice connected to my full self, I have to start personally with my values. What is fueling the work that I do? Why do I do the work that I do? How do I keep coming back to understanding my why so that I can take care of myself and show up to meet the why? Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Hello, my cosmic cuties. Welcome back to another guest episode where we are interviewing some cosmic change makers. Today is someone I'm so excited for. I'm already having like the giggles and like the little belly flips because I'm so pumped for this conversation. You know, I am a big fan of like talking about work and art and business and being creative, but also that it's very hard, impossible, and dare I say, like, dangerous to talk about that right now without talking about systems of oppression, privilege, power, how this all impacts us, our communities. So I'm not the person to lead you through this conversation, but I was looking for the right person and they found me through a synchronicity, through the miracles, magic of the universe. So we have on today, Tristan Katz. Tristan is a writer, educator, digital strategist, sexy and equity inclusion facilitator. They offer training and consulting on everything from gender equity, trans inclusion, queer competency, and justice-focused marketing practices. Mm, I love that. Tristan's intention is to share this work with an anti-oppression and intersectional lens. He's worked with organizations and clients such as Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, Accessible Yoga School, HubSpot, Stanford University's Yoga X program, and Williston Northampton School, among many others. Tristan was named one of Yoga Journal's 2021 Game Changers and is proud to serve on the board of directors at Accessible Yoga. So let's give a big round, warm welcome to today's Cosmic Changemaker. Hi, welcome, Tristan. Hi, Maddie. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for this talk. You are just one of those people I could listen to talk forever. I think well. listening to one of your free workshops, I have five pages of Sharpie notes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> I'm excited to totally go deep. But before we do that, we just read like your earthly, your muggle bio. Would you mind sharing your cosmic bio, your big three with everyone? I'm a Cancer Sun, Leo Rising, Scorpio Moon. I have to say that with my eyes closed so I can remember them. (laughs) You did a great, fantastic job. Oh, I'm so excited to see how that all is like fully expressed in the beautiful work you're doing, but also like your journey of how you got here. Before we get into like that exciting, you know, storytelling, 
Do you want to add on to anything I said? I know your bio is so beautiful, but there's always more. Anything else that you want to add in your own words about like the work you do and, and you know how you're showing up in the world with it? Yeah, sure. I was a yoga teacher for several years, and it was during my time teaching yoga that I realized the yoga industry has a real problem. <laughs> And, and a lot of things that weren't being talked about. I was teaching in 2015, 2016, and it was around the time that I really started to come into a clearer knowing about my sexuality as a queer person. And it was right before I started understanding or beginning to question my gender and discover that I was actually a trans person, contrary to how I was raised and taught you know, about gender. And I realized that the spaces that I was frequenting as a student and a teacher weren't really set up affirm or honor me in my queer identities. And so I started advocating for small, I'm going to put small in quotes, culture shifts like, you know, sharing pronouns in group settings and using more inclusive non-gendered language. And that advocating eventually led to training yoga teachers to be more inclusive, particularly for the trans community. And so that's, you know, a big part of the work that I do. And obviously now I do it beyond yoga because it's needed everywhere um, at this time. And second to that, the marketing work that I teach, I realized we couldn't have conversations about business growth without, as you named, conversations about systems of oppression and power and harm and how these constructed systems are playing out inequitably. And how do we hold awareness of that and maybe leverage our privilege or you know our advantages to make meaningful change while also growing the work that we do in the world. And so that is part of how I approach the conversation about marketing as well. And that's just a little bit more about my background and where I focus and specialize. This is why I needed you to expand because <laughs> it's so good, so thoughtful and, and so beautiful. And I'm so excited to hopefully get into some actionable or practical like steps people can walk away from to, to do exactly that. You know, obviously, I'm so excited to get into all of these like tools. I have like Virgo, like bullet point notes. But <laughs> anyone who I consider a change maker, especially if they're like multi passionate, multi potentialite, and you definitely are. And I'm looking at your two very strong Gemini placements when I say that. You know, the journey of arriving here, like you said, you were a yoga teacher, and now you've sort of gone through another transformation and another evolution to the work you do now. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, how this journey began? What sort of led you here? Because again, I'm sure you weren't just like in college, like, hi, is there a major to be um, an anti-establishment uh, marketing <laughs> expert strategist? Yeah, no. <laughs> Our culture in the United States really teaches us like you find the career path, you embrace the career <laughs> path, you do the career path for the rest of your life. I'm sure you talk about this on the show a lot. I don't think it's that linear and straightforward for most people anymore. I think that this is the nature of, in part, you know, the way the economy has shifted. And all of this to say that I discovered studying social movements in high school. So in high school, I was introduced to activism efforts, particularly in Latin America when I was studying the Spanish language. And as I started to study social movements in Latin America, I then was able to see that a part of what I had been taught in the same school system about the United States and political history of this country was deeply wrong <laughs> and full of lies and holes. Right. Something's not adding Yeah, something's not here. adding up. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. This country did what? 
dictators and human rights right, violators. Nicaragua. And- what happened there? What can we just blurt over that really quick? Yeah. So, as I started to uncover the truer history of this country than what I was fed as a kid, I knew I wanted to be a part of that truth telling process, and I thought it was going to be as a journalist. And so I studied I studied politics in college. And then went on to get a master's in Latin American studies and human rights. And I was really like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a journalist. And then I thought, no, I'm going to be a human rights organizer. I just like, I really wanted to do something meaningful with my professional life. And then I got lost, kind of got tapped out creatively, became depressed. I was really just struggling in most of my 20s and early 30s with what I now know was my gender. I just didn't understand it at the time because I didn't have the language. And it was a really hard time in my life. And so I wandered through various career transitions. I waited tables. I worked in coffee shops. And then my father, who is a a leading educator in the carpentry world, Mm. starting his own business. This was in 2008 and I was pretty lost. And he said, why don't you come work for me and help me run emails and admin stuff? And I know you've got the skills. Just come work for me and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And within three months, I was managing his business and managing his marketing and just totally self-taught all the way with a little bit of mentorship here and there from other folks that we came into relationship with. But um, in the process, I spent over 10 years helping him grow his business. And so for about 10 years, he was um, producing um, an average of, I'd say, somewhere between 20 and 50 in-person, all-day carpentry education events around the country. And there was sponsorship to coordinate and attendee support and continuing education and marketing and website stuff. And, and I was just doing it all so that he could show up and teach live. And then I realized... A, I was not inspired um, or connected. I was like, if I had to talk about carpentry one more time, like this is not my area of expertise. I was really excited to support my father and grow my skills, but it wasn't my jam. And at the time, I was a student of yoga and had been for almost a decade at that point. And so I, I wandered my way to yoga teacher training to deepen my studies and to become a teacher. And I thought I'd teach part time and discovered I didn't want to teach. I just never enjoyed it. I resented it being on my calendar. I wanted to go take the classes and receive the gift of the practice. I didn't want to offer the practice or hold space for the practice. But in the process, I realized that I could help yoga teachers with the thing they really needed help with, which was admin support and marketing support and website design. And I took all the skills I had developed managing my father's business and started to work with yoga teachers and then broadly the wellness industry. And that's when this intersection of my passion for activism, human rights, and social justice ignited, you know, with my working areas of focus. And suddenly I realized through many years of study, particularly with Michelle Cassandra Johnson, that I didn't want to talk about marketing without talking about privilege and power and solidarity and oppression and how we can use our platforms to make meaningful change, not just in our work, but in the world around us and really challenge the narrative that you have to separate the personal and the professional and all of that stuff. And so that is how I ended up here teaching (laughs) trans inclusion and marketing through a justice lens. It it was very, uh, very nonlinear, did not see any of this coming. Sometimes I pinch myself like, (laughs) how did I get here? But that's where I'm at now. 
Oh, I love that. And I, I so appreciate you sharing it because first of all, I was even laughing at the timelines because we're, we're very similar in age, very similar, like 2008. I think I went to try to like work from, trying to like, figure out, actually I was doing the like social media hustling. Like it was pretty uh. new. And I was like, I think I can help people with this. And, like, I don't really know, but I was working for like in my mom's industry, which is all like realtors. And I remember being like, this isn't it. And then I'm like, I want to help people. I remember going to a yoga teacher training and going, going to one day and me being like, actually like this is not it like this I, I remember being like yeah because like you're like and this is very like 2008 2012 like this time frame like I want to help people and the first thing was like be a yoga teacher but I really appreciate you know just something to highlight and I want to call it a lot of people reach out to me about their Mars and Libra because mm-hmm. Mars and Libra is like I take action but it's like through being harmonious and like being diplomatic and being fair and Mars is the part of our chart where we you know, it's our drive, it's our, it's our go. And it's usually something that's very like self-centered, like my, how I want to move through the world. And so in the sign of Libra, sometimes it can seem sort of like paradoxical. Like how do I move forward in a way that's affecting bringing other people in? Or mm. I just get a lot of questions about it. And it is your needle Mars placement. I'd just like to say, interesting story. There is such a treasure to be like taken from it. If like the thing of like, you are very justice-minded, like the, the mm. activism. And like even from a young age, that thing in high school, like, bing, like, maybe I don't totally know what to do with this yet. What does this mean? But this is, like, something that's always going to be important, bringing equity, inclusion, you know, quote-unquote balance, harmony, yeah. peace to our inner world. And so I love that, like, again, you pursuing things like yoga and, and certain things helps you do that. Important on the, on the micro and the personal. Mm-hmm. And then in like the outer expression, it really is like looking at that, like what, what lights up that spark. So I just thought that was a really great illustration of a placement that sometimes people are a little, they're like, what do I do with this? So I'm like, mm-hmm. here you go. And again, sometimes you have to wait for like what the right thing is. And it might not always like make sense right away. But I, I love this kind of like segues into the work you do now. And I'm also going to bring up, you know, astrology nerd. I mentioned you have this Mercury, Venus, and Gemini. And so you said something like, about your own journey with gender and understanding like everything that comes with that sexuality, gender. It's like, you're like, I didn't have the words for it. And I think what's so cool is that part of what we all need in life is words for things, right? Like once we understand a word for something, we're like, okay, okay, I can, it just like settles us, centers us. We can do something with it. We can teach someone else about it. We can bring them into our experience or help them in their advocacy. And so I love that so much of your work, I think you're a brilliant communicator. You really are. So I love that you were like, I need the words for myself because that's how I'm totally processing the world. But it's so much the medicine that you have to share. So I want to kind of break down your, I can always tell Gemini placements because when I go to like one of their workshops or something, it's just so crisp, clear, the bullet points, the like to the sound bites, the takeaways. And so I think it's another reason I'm such a fan of how you, again, show up with your work. Because some people, I love their, I love their philosophy. I love their ideals, but I walk away from the workshop just being like, now what do I do? Like, I, I like the action steps. So can we begin to explore a little bit about this work around marketing and branding? So first in the word energy, I always say Gemini energy, we have to like break down words and like literally like look at the root of them, why we don't like them, where did the words come from? validating why we might have ick around it and then like reimagining ways to work with these words. And I know you do this, especially around the word branding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you went to your seminar. So can you begin to just like take it over Mercury, Venus, Gemini style, yeah. but walking us through like 
that it's okay to have strong feelings <laughs> against these words, but then how we like can move through them because it is kind of important. Yeah, I'd say, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, right? I mean, first of all, branding and marketing are interconnected. I don't think you can separate them. And they both have, in my experience, really gross origins and undertones. When I study the word marketing, a lot of what I see is profit and sales emphasis. And while I know we live in a capitalist world and need financial resources in order to live and pay for basic things like food and water and housing, I also think that we can challenge some of the narratives and values that capitalism instills within us. So I think we can use our marketing um, as a place to challenge some of the narratives that are associated with marketing. And I'll say more about that in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. But I also think the same can be said for branding. So the origins of the word branding have a lot to do with literally branding animals to display ownership and branding enslaved individuals, branding people who were perceived to be guilty of crimes at one point. Like there was, there's a whole forced power dynamic around the word branding. The history, the origins are very rooted in power. And so to me, when I think of branding, I think of that. And I'm referencing the work of a colleague whose name is Rauda Raman. I'm happy to send her information to you. She's a website designer and she also does branding work from an anti-oppression lens. And she has helped me see more about this, this history and this origin and when she talks about it, she references Adrian Marie Brown and a quote from Adrian Marie's Emergent Strategy that says something like, when we look at things that have such a broken history, that gives us space to see where the healing might be. These are things that need our, our attention from a healing perspective, right? So we can look at something that's broken and instead of focusing on how it's broken, we can instead reorient towards how it might be reclaimed or healed or reoriented to in a more healing and liberatory way. And so to me, when I think about branding, I think, how can we think of it more expansively? How can we focus less on the logo and this like polished brand identity concept? And I'm putting that in quotes because to me, the brand identity is so much more than a color font and logo selection. And a lot of the times we get stuck because we think I'm going to put it in in my experience. I thought I couldn't say anything about my work in the world unless I had a brand identity. I thought I couldn't say anything about my work in the world unless I had a logo, a dialed-in brand package. Right, the font typography. Yeah, and it's so much more. Like branding is also about our values and our essence and our personality and how we show up and what we care about. So when I look at branding and marketing from this like other angle, it really becomes, to me, a place where we can practice being of service, um, a place where we can practice sharing without any attachment, what the outcome is of that share, a place where we can really challenge narratives around what success looks like, what it looks like to be effective in the work that you do. Because Spoiler alert, yes, Instagram followers matter in the realm of social capital, but Instagram followers don't translate to financial stability in like a (laughs) one-to-one scenario. And the notion that we just need more followers or more likes or whatever on Instagram 
keeps us connected to the cycle of Instagram nervous system dysregulation and content creation as like a hustle culture thing. I mean, I could keep rambling on and on and on and on, obviously, but what I think I want to end on for this moment in this conversation is that to me, marketing is about sharing the what you do with the world, sharing it over and over and over again in different ways and teaching or being of service in your marketing content and not just pitching and selling. I want to move away from like the constant like sales pitch and instead think about how can I create something that's meaningful for folks that folks will connect with and that will lead to them wanting to show up in my workshop or my training space. So rather than selling, I think about providing value. And that's the relationship tool in the way I approach marketing. Yes. Providing value, showing up. First of all, thank you for that. I'm just going to let that like sit and digest for a second because as someone who, so my Chiron, my wound is in Gemini, but also my North Node, my purpose is there. Let's figure that out together. So I'm always on this curious quest to like understand things and articulate them and verbalize them. And I think it's why I love that I get to do this work and, and just talk to brilliant minds who like break this down for me. And I think that hearing you say all that is so resonant with my soul of just like everything I've felt and learned because I've always loved this concept of business, um, one, as a way of creating liberation for people who don't want to work in certain systems, workplaces, cultures that do not align with them to create some sort of financial sovereignty, whatever that means for you, a full-time, part-time, but really it's just this way of like showing up. I think like there's such a spiritual practice in like showing up with your medicine, with your work, receiving from it, connecting to people. And but then part of me is like, oh, am I, am I, am I so like, and I have to always check myself. Like, oh, is that my like internalized late stage capitalism sinking in or what? I, when certain things, I can feel myself like getting sucked into that one current sometimes of like yeah. the marketing, the this, the that. And then I'll always be on these rants. I mean, for years I've been like, don't center social media in your work because just the astrology is like social media is not going to be what it is right now. By 2025, like it's going to be something completely different. And also, like years ago, I had this download where I'm like, I don't want to create this whole business on like, like Mark Zuckerberg could just shut this down tomorrow, and like right. it's like my whole business. So, so I've had all the, the muscle to make up social media. It's like how I met you, and like it yeah. is a gift, and it's this portal, and it's so. I think the way this is how my thoughts are. Like, explain this is just like my brain, like blah, yeah. Yeah. and then you're here explaining it so beautifully and giving us such permission to like sit with the ickiness, sit with like, of course we don't like this because this is what, how these terms were brought into our, right? Like vernacular, it's super gross, but then this is how we like can, can move through it. And and I love that Adrian Marie Brown quote, like it's so perfect. So one thing that I think that you really dive into in your work, and I I know we're going to talk about all the ways to go deeper with you, but it's like, you begin to talk about discovering your voice. Yeah in this process, right? And this like authentic voice. And and part of this is what you were touching on. Like, how do we begin to be authentic? How do we begin to be of service in our branding versus just being like, I have to hit the algo at this time or, yeah. or do this or hit this many posts or this many followers, blah, blah, blah. And I think discovering your voice is something I, I love or can't with people, but it is very abstract. It's like one of those things you see on like a Pinterest quote or something like, find your voice. And then again, this is me. How? How? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but like, what's the first step? So if you wouldn't mind sharing, you have, I think, really actionable, beautiful invitations to begin to do this. Mm, Thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. It is abstract. 
It is abstract. <laughs> I just want to say like, I think a lot of what I hear in the marketing and branding space is a lot of like, you have to do this, you should do this, it has to look this way. And all of that shooting and black and white thinking is also rooted in the very systems that are causing so many of us pain and harm, right? I just think like if we look at marketing from a maybe I can trust my body, I can trust my capacity, I can trust my creative energy, my creative inclinations. If I can come back to listening to myself first rather than the shoulds and the narratives of what I need to be doing, then I can make, I think, my marketing much more easeful, more authentic, and I can bring more of like my whole self into it. And I can, again, like I want to emphasize capitalism teaches us to center transaction, to be focused on the profit and the sale and to always like convert your numbers and your leads and all of this garbage. And I want to center relationship. and. When I think about centering relationship, that means, again, I have to bring my full self into it. And then when I think about where is my voice connected to my full self, I have to start personally with my values. What is fueling the work that I do? Why do I do the work that I do? How do I keep coming back to understanding my why so that I can take care of myself and show up to meet the why. I can't show up and be fueled and engaged and you know in flow with my work if I am hustling, depleting myself or shooting myself. When I think about finding my voice or when I talk to folks about finding their voices, I often start with what are your values? What informs the work that you do? How do you express your values? Because to me, that's a big part of the voice is expression of values. What you're passionate about, what your why is, what you're committed to, what you hold to be true, what you hold as um, maybe a goal or an intention. And second to that is I think connected to expressing your voice or finding your voice is what do you get on fire about? What do you get angry about? What are you passionate about? What do you say over and over and over again in the work that you do? And all of that discovery, I think, will also lead to a clear voice expression. I think it's like twofold. And I, as I'm saying this, I'm like, yeah, I guess this is kind of a clear framework. But again, it's an abstract process. I think it's about passion and why and values. And I think it's about what lights you up, what makes you fiery, and what you say over and over again in your work. And when we can combine all of that, then a clear articulation of who we are and what we care about might be more available to come through. Mm. Okay. No, I, I, I think that's very clear. And I cool. agree. And this is all, I'm like, I'm on board. I'm like, everyone go away and let us know. This also just shifting it from like sales, transaction numbers, like KPI kind of conversation into like relationship building. Yeah. My first business marketing coach, Rachel B. Turner, amazing Scorpio, um, just super queer baddie. Like the way I found her is because she was like, I am person who helps misfits in their business. And I was like, Ooh, I resonate with that. And I just love the way that she showed up. And 
she would really like train us and just being like, Hey, you're going to go on Instagram live and just post, but like, just act like you're talking to one person, like bring a coffee cup with you. Like, and, and then I got a little too relaxed. I was like showing up during the pandemic in like full floppy house robe. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> the ladies are out right now. <laughs> like, okay. Maybe I go too. Oh, and then taking this space literally, but it did help me. Cause I used to go on I mean, my first YouTube video. I think I left it up just for funsies, but I had so much like pressure about being perfect and this high production value and all this stuff. And it was just word salad. Like, I don't even know what I was saying at this lens because I was just so focused on everything beyond who I was talking to and, and what I wanted to express to them. So I think this like framing this like relationship building, because again, so again, we're being of service. We want to build relationships. We want to build community. Um, it's about us, but it's not about us all yes. at once. So I think that is actually a really great framework to begin to think about this and shifting all away from the noise of like, this is the post and how many and what you have to say, what you do and do not. And like, uh, and just getting back to what's important and back to your true vibration, back to your true like frequency. Yeah. We're not craving perfection on social media. We're craving authenticity. Mm-hmm. We know, I think in our bodies when somebody's trying to sell us something and we know when somebody's actually just giving us something for free, whether we, quote, buy it or not, right? And I think this is a beautiful thing that has come from social media is the ongoing evolution and proliferation of content-based marketing. There's a lot of positive ways we can orient towards social media, Zuckerberg, Meta, Instagram, while also holding in our awareness that it's a mess, And that it's designed by people who are more proximal to power, and so they've replicated systems of oppression in the way that they've designed and implemented the app. And we can't get away from that, but we can use the app with awareness, and we can come back to reminding ourselves that you said earlier, like, this is the whole, like, it sounded like what I heard you say was, like, essentially saying that your Instagram profile is your business, and that's true, and it's also not true at all. Exactly. <laughs> That's a little true, but it's actually categorically untrue. Untrue. Your business is so much more than can, could yes. possibly be contained on Instagram. But Instagram works in a way that brainwashes us into thinking mm-hmm. that if we lose access to that platform, we will lose everything. Yes, we can create social capital on Instagram. It is a place where people are having professional and financial success, but we can't make the whole entirety of our awareness and our work and our business growth and our personal growth even, like rely on that space because it's too fraught. And there's things we're not going to see because of the way bias works and the way the algorithm is designed and the way certain voices are amplified at the expense of others. So we have to use, just like we have to approach branding and marketing critically, we have to use social media critically too. And to me, this is all a part of the conversation of bringing awareness of dominant culture and systems of power and oppression and harm into the conversation about entrepreneurship and really understanding that we can challenge these systems while growing our work in the world and still making enough money to hopefully survive. Absolutely. No, you know, back back to this conversation about um, the society we're living in and all of these like systems of oppression. And and obviously, like, depending on how many marginalized identities you carry and hold, like the heavier this is. And so I want to speak to a little bit about, I know people I work with, people in our community who are like, I want to do all of this, but like, I'm tired, grandpa. Like, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Like, I am depleted. I am stressed. I am 
fucking the world is burning down. Yeah. And you want me to post on Instagram? And I think, again, something that I feel like I feel all of this, like, yes, I understand what you're saying. But then when I heard you talk about it, I was like, let's hand the mic to Tristan. Cause no. I think we can really acknowledge like both of this. And I think one thing that you're really in your work, it seems like you really want to help people create easeful, yeah. sustainable strategies. And while acknowledging that there's all of this like collective trauma happening, but that again, like we still we don't have to, but we still, there is an invitation to still keep showing up. So can you just speak to this for a second of like anyone feeling this way or slash everyone who's feeling yeah, this way? Yeah. Let's normalize. <laughs> I want to normalize yeah. that like you can come up with the best intentions for a marketing or a launch strategy and life is going to happen. So life be life. Yeah. How can we embrace all of this stuff? And again, like decenter perfectionism or urgency or hustling, right? To me, this moment of being a human mm-hmm. being calls for for a great amount of, and I'm not saying the word self-care in a gross way or like in an empty way. I mean like a meaningful commitment to self-care, like walking away from work as soon as you can, giving yourself space to not be in your emails, taking breaks from your phone, resting, napping. I mean, there are black and brown, queer and trans and not queer and trans folks who are talking about this and have been for a long time, listen to them, mm-hmm. right? I'm just saying what I've heard th- their calls to be. But I do recognize that consistency at this moment is going to look different for everybody. I'm thinking specifically about, you know, I know this podcast is coming out later this year, but as we're recording, it's Pride Month and they've recently declared the United States a state of emergency for LGBTQIA plus people. So like, I'm not asking you to be, quote, consistent right now. I'm asking you to be Mm -hmm. a human. Like, what does it look like Mm -hmm. if you're queer or trans to take care of yourself while Mm -hmm. understanding the nature of the world and the fact that certain people and lots of people and power doesn't want queer and trans people to live, let alone Mm -hmm. thrive. And same to be said with Black and Indigenous and people of color and disabled folks, and the list goes on. So how do we work within this constant bombardment of collective trauma? Well, to me, when I hear, yeah, one of the initial successful tenets of a good marketing plan is consistency. Again, what does consistency mean right now? To me, it means really letting go of like, I'm not going to get that thing done today. The email strategy is not going to look like what it might have looked like five years ago. I don't have the same capacity. So when I hear folks say, well, you got to post to Instagram every day, the first thing I feel is like, no, that's garbage. Who can do that? And I understand that the premise isn't necessarily post every day to reach more people. I hear the call to post every day as a call to start exercising the muscle of content creation and putting yourself out there and learning what it's like to show up publicly and talk about the work you do in the world, um, which is super important. But if you try to do that every single day, you're going to burn yourself out. And we don't need more burned out, depleted, under-resourced people. We need more resourced people, particularly folks who are showing up to make meaningful change in the world. Don't post every day. <laughs> like, like if you need to take a month off from emailing in your marketing newsletter situation, like take a month off. I'm the anti-marketing marketing person. I'm like, don't do it. 
I think the more I give myself permission to do it imperfectly, the more I can show up meaningfully when I'm actually able to show up. And so then I can actually create a piece of content that serves more people because I'm resourced enough to do so. Whereas if I was trying to post every single day, my content would eventually over time become less and less meaningful. I really want to orient towards how I can resource myself so that I can keep showing up meaningfully. And that means taking time away and doing it imperfectly and being non-urgent and being non-attached to the numbers and focusing on quality over quantity, which is another way that we can challenge dominant culture and systems of oppression and harm that teach us that the numbers matter more mm-hmm. than anything, right? And again, like it's also like meta because you're like, well, that is like feeding into this part of our society that is so identifies with like numbers and and data and profit over people and, and like content and like this like machine of like we're not content machines like we're we're creators we're we're people who want to express and I think again this kind of brings back to what you're saying about relationship building and your fuck the rules workshop that I attended it was like you talked about like creating content versus like being in conversation and like Mm -hmm. being in relation and you were kind of saying it from an angle of like creating value like don't worry about like giving away all your stuff for free quote unquote online because you're like not and I so resonate with that I'm like I could tell you everything I know about astrology every little fun fact I know if I had the bandwidth I had someone help me I could post that shit for five years and still like it wouldn't be like even you know, a little bit about what it's like to sit down with someone's chart and hear their story and and read it to them and explain it to them. And like, I can sit with someone even for their chart for a year and still have like juicy tidbits to come out. And I remember hearing that when you said it for the first time. And I don't know, you don't realize you like take in these concepts, like you breathe them in like stinky air around you. And you don't realize the air is stinky until you leave the room and come back in. You're like, oh, like I've been sitting in this. And I didn't realize that like, maybe I had been like on some level, like subconsciously, like, because there's that boundaries. I think creatives and creators are going into a movement where they're a little bit like, well, I want to have like some compensation for, you know, like yes. the Patreons, the Substacks, the like courses. Like, But it's also this thing of like, don't get tricked with like that workshop you did was so beautiful and brilliant. And I could just tell that like, this was just an appetizer. This was an amuse-bouche. Like this was yeah. not like the buffet of sitting down and working with Tristan Katz, like everything that would feed and nourish in me. So I kind of like this com- this thing around like, difference like content versus being in conversation and they're sort of like two fold like when you were talking now I'm like again going back to that like not looking at yourself as this content churning machine but it's conversation and even like telling your people your community online like hey I've been really burnt out I love when I get an email from someone I love a business person a a creator whatever someone strategist coach and they're like hey sorry I dropped off the grid like I had a weird month I'm like good for you, honey. Yeah. Like, good for you. And also like, same. And I think what you said about um, this whole thing around, we're talking a lot about Instagram right now. Obviously, there's lots of ways of doing marketing, but it's kind of like the top of conversation. I think it's so interesting about what we were seeing in like, okay, we're going to go into this Uranus and Gemini shift in 2025. And we're going to really have a whole like revolution around social. And a lot of it is going to be really centered in like, people are only going to want authenticity and they're going to feel like anything that's fake is going to feel like instantly like bad taste in their mouth. And we're starting to get a little sneak of it on like TikTok versus Instagram because Instagram, you can hire a designer, you can go on Canva and you can make a whole beautiful grid and you could Photoshop, Facetune, do whatever and be like, this is this perfect version of me. And then some of those people who actually have done that, then they go on TikTok and everyone's like, 
boo. Like, what is this? Like, and so there's something of like showing up authentically. It's a good muscle to practice now, not just because it's going to feel really good for you mm-hmm. and your community, but in terms of like actually longer term strategy. I just think we're starting to really develop a palette for like, yeah. that's fake. Like, we're, we don't want that. That doesn't feel good. That doesn't, that's like fake food. I want like real, yes. real meals. Yes. We need real meals. Yeah. We need real meals. Like we're yeah. really like, again, we're undernourished. And, and so that's why I love like, is it this feeling you get? It's like, I remember, you know, we met through the uh, Kripalu, like visionaries group. And I was like, I like them, what they're doing. And I started following you on social. And then I was like, oh yeah. Like, again, it has that, like, it's just an energy. It's just like, yeah. yep, this is someone I want to be in conversation with. This is someone I want to hang out with. I want to learn from. So I think you're also really just modeling beautifully, like what you're talking about. And there's so much we could talk about here. And I want to like honor your time. But the thing that I kind of want to end on is like, before we talk about ways to go deeper with you is, you know, we're we're talking a lot about the collective trauma and the things and the systems of oppression. And I think that for, I like what you, the call to like use your platform to use marketing as almost like the anti-marketing establishment to use it as a way, um, not just to like sell your product or create awareness for you as we've been witness, but of like shifting things forward for uh, moving things forward, moving the needle forward, doing something you said in the beginning, like helping humanity and and where we're trying to go to really like, not just burn it all down, but like build the world we want to live in. And I know as someone myself, who's like carries a lot of privilege in my identity is, I'm, you know, white, cisgendered, straight, able-bodied. Like, so, you know, years ago, 2016, I got my ass read to me by Layla Efsa's like letter to spiritual white woman. And I'll never forget reading that, like scrolling in my bed and just being like, "Mm." and all the things that I thought I was doing up to that point to be like such a good white lady. Like I was like, oh my God. So that was like a whole deconstructing process for me. Very humbling. I went very like offline, very quiet. And I think around like 2019, I started being like, hey, like just being like, this is maybe not cool. Like, let's talk about this. And then in 2020, obviously it just became like flooded with social media of like everyone. It was beautiful. But then I kind of got this feeling to me as someone who was like an aspiring ally, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Yeah. Using these terms very loosely because they're all weird. There's an aspect to me on social. Sometimes that feels very performative. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in that thing of like, I rather walk the walk do what I need to do. But then I also understand that social media is also this like billboard and this feeling of like, like if I work with someone, I will check their social. Like what yeah. are they saying about certain, are they saying certain things? So I guess I'm just asking you, it's okay if you don't have a clear answer, but in terms of using our platforms, you know, is there any advice you could have of, of showing up and using this like amazing tool, this time that we have to be alive where everyone does have a microphone, everyone has a megaphone and how we do that but maybe like any advice to just like either before it gets slippery into being performative or just to like any rule, not rule, fuck the rules is what you say, but any yeah. like guidelines of like, or is that, is that bullshit? Is it like, who cares if it seems performative, just keep doing it. Cause like, I know probably a lot of people listening are like, how, how do we walk that line? And I know it's a little bit of like a, a heavy question or a loaded one to end on, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I love this question because I know people are asking it, you know? So let's just 
Exactly. Right? I know people are asking or they're worried about it or it's stressing yeah. them out. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to be clear. Like, I, you know, I am forever going to be learning about what it's like to move through the world in a body that isn't white, right? Because my experience yeah. as a white person is is my experience. So let's start by acknowledging that we're all ignorant about things we don't know through our own direct lived experience. What matters is what we do when we recognize we're ignorant, right? And so when I hear this question, the first thing I think is, Let's acknowledge where we what the things we don't know. Like let's start to try to mm-hmm. see where we hold bias or prejudice or or ignorance. And one of the ways that might show up is realizing one day that everybody you're following on Instagram is like you. So maybe the commitment is to start with the internal work and not worry about what it looks like externally because because I think it has to start with us individually inside in terms of mm-hmm. the experience you had with Layla Saad's work. Like you were like, mm-hmm. oh, wake up moment. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to integrate it. And then mm-hmm. we'll see what it looks like once I've integrated for a period of time for me to come back and take up space and talk publicly. So I think that integration time is really important. I think the commitment to ongoing learning is really important. And then the next thing I want to say is, Everything on social media is a performance. There is nothing like like I want to be like be authentic, you. but also understand that it's all a performance. Both things are true. Both things are true. Right. It's all sacred theater. <laughs> exactly. So so yes, be authentic and also accept the fact that like how can it not be a performance? And yeah. if it's all a performance, then you have to hold yourself like one has to hold themselves accountable and into their own integrity. And that means not speaking about things that you are yourself not prepared to speak about. That means sharing other people's voices because they're the experts on their own lived experience. That means that means amplifying other people's work. Our profiles yeah. are not just about us, right? Like if we make yeah. it over and over again just about us, that is self-centered. And depending on your points of of privilege, that could be causing more harm in the world. And when I say self-centered, yes, our marketing is about us. Our business is Mm -hmm. about us. But my hope is that many of us got into entrepreneurship because we wanted to make a meaningful difference in the world and also have time for ourselves that wasn't just work. So our profile is about us, but it's also when we show up in our marketing, it's also about our audience, our community, the collective. So Mm. how can we hold awareness of the ways in which maybe we hold power or privilege and have greater responsibility to work across difference to make change and to amplify other people's voices who are less proximal to power and and to understand the things that we might not currently understand based on our own limited experience, right? That might even look like understanding disability justice and realizing that like, your content isn't accessible from a disability lens. And so then when you recognize that, how do you learn how to make it accessible? And the more you integrate making it accessible, the more you will be operating from a place of integrity and you'll be able to speak more comfortably in a public facing realm about these issues, right? And say like, this is what I learned and now I'm committing to making my work accessible through these few steps of image descriptions or whatever it might be. So that integration time, the realization that we don't know things that we don't know, we have to give ourselves space to integrate and practice and maybe get things wrong. I hear so often people say, well, I'm afraid of causing harm. Yeah. I, I hear that and I, I respect that and I 
I understand that. And I don't want to let that hold us back. Like, I don't want to let that hold me back. I don't think that the point of social justice and collective liberation work is to avoid causing harm. We are going to cause harm. The point should be to orient towards movement building and change making and not just focus on, well, I'm afraid to cause harm because that's still making it about me. Say. <laughs> Exactly. It's still like centering ourselves in it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I so appreciate that. And I appreciate you speaking, you know, honestly and candidly, like why I, I feel so privileged to have a podcast. It's just like what people are thinking this stuff. It's getting in the way. It's getting in the old head. And I just want to yeah, have these words be, you know, and the recapping, like, yeah, learn, integrate, be curious, follow people who aren't like you. Like that integration time is so huge. We don't have to like immediately Go speak out. No, no. No, 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 no. And I also love like this was a big lesson in 2020. It was like just sharing other people's work. Like you don't need to create your own work on this. You don't create your own nonprofit. You don't have to create your own. I'm also looking at you, Pride Month companies. Like you don't have to create your own Pride products. Just like, hey, there's probably an LGBTQ person who's like already making that. Like, and and I understand because in my like younger, you know, whatever days I would be in that eager place too. like, Oh, I've had businesses for the past 10 years. I'm like, I want to create something. The profits go to like, it's like, no, just amplify other, also less work for you. Like less work. You don't have to create a graphic for that. You don't have to create a product for that. And then the other invitation of like just showing up, being a little messy, being human, no one expects us all to get it right. We're going to cause harm. We're going to step on toes. But again, like understanding, you know, intention versus impact, of course, but then also knowing like, okay, I'm going to try doing better. And we're all learning something. We're all learning something about an experience. And and even what you said about, you know, advocating for disabled people and like how do non-disabled people understand that? I just had one of my mentees, students on the podcast, and, and she's an advocate for that. And I realized too, that all the stuff she was talking about, I was like, oh, this is really great tips and, and great awareness. But I also realized that sometimes in the beginning, this stuff is, it creates extra work for you because extra thought it is. It's sure. like, okay, I have to think about this. Sure. But what I also realized is the more we normalize it and the more we make it a thing, companies and the people who can actually make our lives easier kind of step up to the challenge. Like I remember when Zoom... I don't know if you remember, but back mm-hmm. in the day, mm-hmm. pre-2020, they didn't have closed captioning or you had to install a separate like transcript reader. But I'm sure enough people were like, hey, we need this. And so now it's like one last step, just to click a button on Zoom. Yep. And you know, Instagram has the alt image text button. And so it's also like the more you do it too, the more people, it's like, this is how we create change. Like together, we all really demand this and need it. It also lifts the burden from the individual too of being like, yes. but you kind of have to put that in in the beginning. So I just want to speak to all of these points you said so beautifully and you really like covered a lot of bases in that big loaded question I wanted to end on. <laughs> well done, you. So, okay, sorry everyone, the sirens are going off, but I live in New York City. I'm trying my best here. Yep. Okay, so now people want to go deeper with you. And this is like, I think the benefit of working with you is across the board. It feels like important on the individual level to like heal from some of this trauma that we all have surrounding like money, marketing, business, but also to show up in a more clear and empowered way where we're really advocating for like liberation in our work. So how can people work with you in like a deeper capacity? I'm also curious for myself here with this question. Thank you. 
I teach probably on average once a year. I teach a program called Conscious Marketing Justice Focused Digital Strategies, where we cover all of this stuff over 17 hours. Sometimes it's 20, depending on how I structure the course. But that is a training I typically offer online once a year live. And we talk about social media. We also talk about moving beyond social media. We frame the whole conversation with a study of power and systems of harm. And there's a lot of time for integration and questions and community support and resource sharing. And that is one pathway. And then apart from that, if you go to my website, you will likely find a program that is available to the public that is live, that is online, that is all about marketing from a justice and equity lens. And then in addition to that, I'm also constantly always teaching online programs related to trans inclusion. So if understanding this moment we're in and the importance and the need for solidarity across difference with the queer community, that's new to you. If you're like, I get it, but also I don't understand it. Could you explain like some 101 terms, but also could you explain how I show up in relationship and like, what does this mean and what does that mean? And, you know, I want to teach to women's spaces, but I don't want to be weird about women. Like, anyways, if if that is all confusing you, and I just want to normalize, like, it is a confusing moment where a lot of us are reckoning with this confusion because our culture has been very confused. (laughs) If this is a new conversation and you're a space holder or a professional who wants to understand how to better hold Mm trans-inclusive space or show up in solidarity, I always teach online trainings relating to creating safer spaces. Yeah, those are a couple of the ways that you can work with me and everything's noted on my website and I'm, you know, I'm available on Zoom. (laughs) Always doing doing something on Zoom. Yeah. Always on that Zoom. I know. What a time to be alive. Well, I so appreciate that. We're going to link obviously everything in the show notes, but definitely go, you know, know, speaking of all this Instagram talk, go head over to Tristan Katz Creative show them some love, show Tristan some love. Like, I don't know, drop a pearl, something that resonated with you. Go like (laughs) smash the like button on a bunch of posts. Um, It's such a nice way of offering gratitude to these amazing people who come on here and, you know, really, you know, time's our only non-renewable resource. So I appreciate you coming on and spending time with us and really sharing your wisdom. And is there anything that you want to say, you know, in conclusion, anything you want to wrap up with or circle back to? No, I I think I'm satiated. Thank you, Maddie. I really appreciated connecting and talking with you. Beautiful. We are complete. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.